0: Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. Today, I am joined by Scott Johnson of Blitzscaling Ventures for another edition of our Blitzscalable Venture Deal Analysis. Please enjoy. <laughs> welcome back to another edition of Reviewing Blitzscalable Venture Deals from Blitzscaling Ventures. I'm Chris Yeh, and I'm joined by my partner, Scott Johnson. Scott, how are you doing? Always look forward to these sessions with you, Chris. Doing great. So today, what we're looking at is we're looking at the deals that were announced in May of 2021. And we've got four deals that we're going to talk about today. Unlike some of these months where we see some similar deals, these deals are all very, very different. And so each of them will get their own discussion. Let's start with the first deal on the list, which is Contract Book. We actually had a chance to speak with the founder of the company, Tell us about contract book. Well, so we, everybody
1: knows DocuSign, right? Where they made it, it really easy to electronically sign documents. And that's pretty much the way everybody signs documents these days. It's, it's rare that you have to actually print something out and scribble on it and then put it back. But when you think about it, why wasn't the contract itself created collaboratively? Why is just the signing collaborative? And there's a whole industry around trying to figure out how to make collaboration better as you create these contracts and agreements. And that's where ContractBook comes in. There are some enterprise solutions that are really robust and have all the features that enterprise software should have. But up until now, the middle market and the lower middle market have not been well-served. And so along comes contract book with a scaled down product that's really, really easy to use. And they've just been growing like crazy. So the, um, the, I can't tell you the metrics, but I can tell you that when we spoke to the founder, we were really impressed. And so was Bessemer. They came in and did the series A in Q4 and that got Tiger Global's attention and they preempted the series B in Q1. And so now these guys are loaded for bear with cash and ready to go take over that middle and lower middle market. And my bet is that they're going to have great success.
0: Now, the interesting thing is this is not a Silicon Valley deal. It's not even a US deal, despite the presence of Bessemer. This is a Copenhagen or Denmark deal. Yeah. And I know what you're all thinking.
1: You're thinking, wait a minute, people in Denmark don't actually do any work. But that's not quite true. They uh, yes, they ride their bicycles to work, uh, and that I guess gives them lots of energy because when they 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 do have a good work life balance. But when they're working, they work really hard, and they're, they're they seem to produce a lot of great companies over there. So uh, if you were thinking that, then you're wrong. There's some great companies coming out of Denmark, and. These guys are, um, you know, they're in Copenhagen. They 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 have a really thick culture at the company of achievement, and and they really they are very very ambitious. And they're not all about eating Danishes and drinking coffee at all. They are they are really out to 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 take over the world and own their market and blitz scale.
0: It's important to remember that the Danes used to be Vikings. They traveled around Europe, pillaging and taking whatever they wanted, and it's not been that long since those days so something to keep in mind <laughs> that's true
1: that's true i, th- I think they're uh, they're they're certainly capable of uh, a lot of mayhem and, and and so far so good with contract book they've they've established their selves as leaders in their market and they're t- t- taking off
0: so let's talk about the business model characteristics of contract book when it comes to the winner take most market dynamic there are both network effects and lock-in land grab effects in play. The network effects exist because as people begin to adopt contract book, which is not just about signatures, but about the entire process of the contract and really doing it in a structured way instead of the completely manual way that we do it now, where the only difference between today and you know, 50 years ago is that it's a PDF instead of a printed piece of paper. And so as a result of those network effects and the land grab, because once you adopt, this as your standard contracting method, you're gonna to tend to stick with it. We gave them a nine out of 10. It is not quite a full 10 out of 10, but very good. Meanwhile, on the virality side, we also gave them a nine out of 10, because again, contracts are never just with yourself. There's no such thing as a self-contract. Contracts always involve at least another party that makes them viral and should really drive the distribution.
1: Right. So, I mean, you could argue for a 10 out of 10 on viral. I, I think, you know, the, the, there's a, you know, as soon as somebody collaborates with you on a contract, they're going to say, well, that was great. And I'm going to next time contract, I do, I'm going to collaborate with it. So, you know, we argued back and forth a little bit on that, but I think, you know, with a nine, they still score above 80 overall. And if we look at it more closely and check out some of the viral coefficients that, uh, that we, made, we may discover that they deserve a better grade than that. Product market fit, well, boy, they're doing well. So, you know, it's going to be somewhere eight, nine, ten. Uh, we gave them an eight because we haven't used the product that much. Our partner, Jeff Abbott, has used it, really loves it. So maybe deserving of a better score, but I think they also have a lot of product improvements that they're planning that we talked about today. So there's, there's they're on their way to a better score than eight, but I think eight is good for now. What about market size, Chris?
0: Well, the good thing about this is the market size is even bigger than the market for something like DocuSign, which is already a tens of billions of dollars outcome in the sense that it's not just the signatures, but the entire process of creating these contracts. So we think it's absolutely enormous, 10 out of 10. And from a gross margin standpoint, this is great. You're pushing bits around. It costs almost nothing to operate the servers. We love it to death. 10 out of 10 on gross margin as well.
1: Yeah, and this is software, right? So it's going to be scalable. Um, you know, the, there's um, it's it, you know there's a customer service component here that might be a little more intensive than some other uh, web services. So we gave it nine out of ten on organop scalability. But overall, you know, it's a highly scalable business, and it's uh, it's annual it's recurring revenue. The revenue quality is super high. And so, you know, and the team is super strong. So we, we really like this company a lot and it scores 82 overall. So, you know, a strong score and enterprise software doesn't often have that strong a score, but when you get something viral like this, then boy, we really got to pay attention. And particularly with a market size like this, this is a, this is an unbounded market and they're the leader in their segment of that market. So a really interesting company that we're going to take very seriously as we go forward.
0: All right. Now it would hold on before we go on from contract book. I want to just offer a little bit of additional commentary, which is, and it will prove useful in thinking about some of the deals later on. So the interesting thing about contract book is it's going after a market that many people would think has already been won because most people would say, you know what, when it came to electronic signatures, DocuSign won. And that is absolutely the case. There are other things around like HelloSign exists and Echo Sign exists, but DocuSign absolutely won the war and is the one that is most of the market. And so you might say, well, gee, doesn't that mean that contract book is not gonna be able to come in? Well, what contract book reveals is one of the ways in which a winner take most market winner an enduring market winner can be vulnerable, which is if someone says, okay, what if we go ahead and target a superset of what you do and we get even more core? And as a result of that, we can get people to switch over because at the end of the day, you know, do you really care, Scott, whether you're using DocuSign or HelloSign or EchoSign?
1: No, I care a little bit because, uh, you know, I don't
0: want to pay too much for the, for the product and DocuSign, boy, is
1: that expensive.
0: So as a result... There is an opportunity. Normally, we would say, hey, that market is locked up. But because contract book is expanding the market, going into complementary services, getting closer to the core of the workflow, we feel like there's an opportunity. Put a pin in that for later discussion.
1: Okay. All right. And, uh, and now next, it, it really wouldn't be a 2021 podcast
0: without some kind of a collectibles deal, right, Chris? It appears that 2021 is the year of collectibles, and yes, we have yet another one. Yeah, so um,
1: you know, if it's not NFTs, then it's uh, you know actual physical collectibles, and boy, we've seen every way to slice and dice it. And this one actually is slicing and dicing, right? Rally is taking these uh, really top-end, high-value collectibles. You know, picture a a Babe Ruth rookie card or something that's really worth a ton of money, and allowing you to buy shares. In that collectible, because you think that the Babe Ruth rookie card is going to be worth twice as much in five years as it is now you buy some shares in that and then you hang on to them and then you can sell them later and so they're creating a liquid market for little pieces of collectibles and allowing everybody to participate in the high end collectibles market. And wow, you know, the, think about that and all the network effects around that. It's, it's uh, you know, it's like a stock exchange. And we've seen how enduring stock exchanges are. So why wouldn't this be the
0: same thing, Chris? Well, there's no reason why it wouldn't be the same thing. In fact, we strongly believe in it. And the other thing, in addition to the network effect associated with being a stock exchange, is the fact that Rally takes a page from the book of one of the companies we talked about last month, StarStock, which is Rally holds all the goods in their own vaults. And that allows intraday trading that makes it possible to sort of overcome all the issues of, well, is it really chain of custody or not? Because Rally has that full chain of custody. And that land grab element, getting the stuff into your vaults means that they have a really strong story. In fact, I'm going to be fascinated to see how the rivalry between Rally and Starstock plays out because with Starstock, the idea is not fractional ownership, it's complete ownership. And for a lot of goods, I can imagine why people would want complete ownership. They want the ability to have the bragging rights and say, this is something that I own. Whereas rally is more about, well, I own a piece of this famous thing, but it's also a financial asset. And it'll be fascinating to see which of these approaches tends to dominate. Personally, I'm like, in theory, I think that in the end, one of them should win out, but it's enough in doubt that they can both probably be fairly valuable for some time. Yeah, well, it's really collectors versus uh, traders, right? Yeah. The
1: traders are going to use Rally and the collectors are going to use StarStock. And so, you know, you want to build a collection that you own, you know, you're going to own it. If you want to just sort of bet on the appreciation of different assets because you feel like you understand the market really well and can profit from it, then you're going to trade against it. And that's that's where Rally comes in. I don't really know how big the market is for this trader category. Uh, I know that the, there are a lot of collectors who spend stupid money to own things. And so that's, that's something I do know is really huge. And it might be that Rally is trying to sort of define that market. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how that plays
0: out, but you're right. It'll be fascinating to watch it play out. All right, let's run through the scoring. What do you think about winner take most? Well, again, as we mentioned, it's a stock exchange and it's got some lock-in and land grab elements. We gave it a 10 out of 10. When it comes to viral growth and distribution, They have That magical characteristic that we look for and that we find in companies like Airbnb, which is the people who are buyers or sellers and the people who are sellers or buyers. So, if you are one of these collectors and you own these cards, you could also then theoretically turn around and sell off a portion of your collectibles through Rally. And now, think about how interesting that is. You own this card, but you're going to sell off, you know, 49% of it to other people to allow you to make back a lot of money that you had, but you still get to say you're the principal owner. It's almost too good to be true.
1: Yeah, and then you get to take that money and go out and, and buy the things that you might be, you might think are going to be the next uh, hugely valuable collectibles in, in the future. So, you know, you, you could take the, that one huge winner you had and use that as, uh, as, as the capital that can source your, your next big winner. So it's, it's pretty interesting uh product market fit uh you know we'll see it's you know it feels like it should be good product market fit but whether they have the exact right mix of you know how much they take for their service versus um you know versus the value of the service and also you know just is the product easy enough to use is it a seamless experience do people trust that Rally is going to keep their collectibles safe. All all those things have to be played out yet. So it really
0: doesn't deserve a 10 and we gave it an eight. Market size, you know, I commented on market size earlier. What do you think, Chris? So this is a big market, but again, they're a new market, it hasn't been fully proven yet. Collectibles, obviously huge. Fractional ownership of collectibles, hey, that's new. And so we gave it a market size of nine because we don't know exactly how big that market will be over time. We think it'll be pretty big, but we cannot guarantee it'll be unbounded.
1: Yeah, right. So, so a nine for now. Gross margin, yeah, you know, it's an exchange. And so we usually give pure online marketplaces a 10 out of 10, but in this case, it's not because they have to handle stuff. So there's stuff that they have to put in a vault. And that costs some money. It's not a lot, but it does cost some money. They probably have to insure it. So we think nine out of 10 for gross margin, that might be a little generous, might be an eight or seven. We need to understand that a little better to get at the core of what it really costs to operate this business. Organizational scalability, sure. I mean, they're not gonna have that many of these super valuable collectibles. So they don't need that many people to deal with them. They are gonna have a uh, customer service Function that they need to fund, so you know there's there's some scalability challenge to that, but not much. So we, we gave them full credit for organizational scalability, but operationally, yeah, again, they have stuff. You know, they have stuff to keep track of, and it's really costly if they screw it up. So that's uh, that's something that we need to invest in and and staff against. So we, it's an eight out of ten. There, it's not hard, but it's it's not perfect. Not a perfect ten out of ten. And the resulting score is an 85. Now that's a really strong score. You know, we we see things around 80, 81 all the two, all the times. So, 82, 83, you know, eh, a little more often. 85 is starting to get up into the to the rare air. And so that's a that's a strong score. And so we you know we really like this one. Excel did the Series B. Uh, it's a 30 million dollar raise. And if you want to go check out the company it's rallyrd.com so rallyroad.com is uh, i guess where they get the rd
0: um next is, Hold on. i want to add a little bit oh, more i want to add things again
1: okay 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 sorry. a little
0: bit more commentary so one of the interesting things is to sort of look at rally versus starstock which we mentioned before and in fact we gave them both a score of 85 but they got to their 85 in different ways right so rally uh Rally is a little less viral than Starstock simply because with Starstock, we have the bragging rights of this is my card versus this is my fractional ownership of a card. It's like... Every person that you know who has a private jet is like, hey, I got my private jet. Very few people are like, hey, let me show you my fractional jet ownership card. (laughs) Just a big difference in terms of the showing off element of it. And at the same time, uh, Rally actually does better on things like gross margin and scalability because having to deal with more individual collectible items increases the operating cost and the complexity. So StarStock has to store every individual card separately. With Rally, you just have fewer items because each one is worth more and they're selling off the fractions of them. So they get to the same score, both very desirable, but with slightly different models. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, StarStock has items that are worth hundreds of dollars and Rally is going to have items that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or at least tens of thousands of dollars. So they're going to have many, many, many fewer. It's just not nearly as complex at logistics task, so good points. Good points. Very different companies that uh, both score eighty-five. Well, not very different companies, but d- companies that scored eighty-five in different ways. Uh, all right, Skiff. Skiff is the next company, and Skiff is pretty simple to describe. Just think of Google, the Google Suite, so Google Docs, etc. Uh, but secure. So secure workspaces, Google's not sort of watching everything you're doing. There's password protection and, and, and uh, end-to-end encryption and all the things that matter to people who really care about privacy and keeping the content they're, they're creating private. So if you're working on a patent application with a bunch of people that are you know, all in different places, then you're probably gonna wanna use Skiff and not a Google Doc. And the, the challenge with that is what, Chris?
0: well the challenge is it boils down to what is the proportion of people who actually cares so the market for online documents has already been won google docs won that battle a lot of other people tried they fought they did all these things dropbox has paper people create all these things the people are still trying to do things with notion and what have you guess what (coughs) war is over google won and typically once a Market is one, it's difficult to unseat it. And so remember what we were talking about before with contract book, they're able to go into a market that had previously been won by DocuSign and open it up again because they were more expansive and they were able to come up with a super set of value. So with Skiff coming in leading with security and privacy, the question becomes what proportion of that customer base actually cares? And my guess is that proportion is very small. The fact is that security is pretty much an illusion anyways, as is privacy. And so it's only a limited number of folks where maybe they have regulations that force them to do it, or maybe they're super duper paranoid. But the vast majority of people don't care because guess what? Google is spying on you every time you do a search and very few people are like, oh, man, I got to use Bing.
1: Yeah, well, guess what? Uh, I don't quite agree. I think if you're in government or you're in some large corporation that uh, has an IT department with an iron hand and they, they are uh sending rules down from on high about what's allowed and what's not and no you cannot use google docs and but people do want to collaborate and
0: so i don't know the percentage i i i just think it's higher than well you can look there's a good proxy what's the percentage of people who use duck duck go instead of google I don't think that's a good pro- proxy. I, it's I absolutely think, a good proxy. I, I, no, because it's
1: different when you're creating content, if you're writing not a patent, true, Not true at all. Not if you're just true searching at all. Other, other, like people's search stream is a lot less private than the uh, intellectual property they're creating.
0: Now that's not true at all. Of course it should be more <laughs> private, but it doesn't make a difference. It really I, does not. I, I, I disagree. We're not going to agree on that. Okay. So, so let me ask. No, let me, me no, no, no. We, we, we're not going to leave this until oh, we get a chance con- to hash it out a little bit further. All right. So the bottom line is that, of course, the CIOs would like people to use something more private. But do you know what is an even greater force than that? Money. How many times during this pandemic have you been forced to use Microsoft Teams instead of Zoom? I know it's happened to me quite a bit when I deal with larger companies. Now, Microsoft Teams and its video conferencing are an inferior product, but guess what? It's free. And so they're going to tell everyone to use it because it's free now, or they're already paying for it. If they're already paying for Google, if they have Google Docs already, they are not going to start paying for something new because companies are cheap.
1: Okay. IT budgets are strained. I'll grant you that. But uh, despite the fact that it's cheap, the other really powerful force is users who want to collaborate on a doc and are prevented from doing so by some IT policy that says you can't do it because it's insecure. In- and if, if this passes a security muster, then they're going to demand that they be able to use this product and IT will buckle under.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. In those cases where IT has insisted that you cannot use Google Docs, we did actually run into... One such company during our time, when we shared a Google Drive with them with information about Blitzscaling Ventures, they said, sorry, we can't go into Google Drive. We're not allowed to. How often in the past year has somebody told you, I'm not allowed to use Google Drive? Well,
1: pretty much every time I deal with a bank. And, you know, we haven't been doing that a lot. But yeah, every time I deal with a a bank, they say, nope, can't use Dropbox, can't use Google Drive.
0: Absolutely. And as I said, there is a minority of the market where this may apply. I just don't think it's large enough to make a difference or to get to critical mass. Bank IT budgets or something else. Uh,
1: Anyway, uh, okay, so the market is not a 10 out of 10. We'll certainly agree on that. But whether it's a... You know, it falls between the range of five and 10. I think we can agree on that, too. It's, 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 a, it's a decent sized market.
0: It boils down to, do you believe they're going to unseat Google Docs as the winner in the winner take most market? Well, we'll see. I mean, Google Docs is not free. They're pay- you're paying for that for every user. And- do, you, are you, do, you see, do you even believe yourself when you say, well, maybe they could unseat Google Docs? Uh, well, Canva did. They had a superior product. Canva
1: crushed Google um, slides. So, right,
0: and if Skiff were a superior product that made it so much easier to do things than Google Docs, then great. Well, maybe it is. We haven't. We 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 don't know that yet. That's a product market fit question. And
1: so you know, it's a seed round. I'm sure they have a lot of a lot of way to go here. But um, you know, Sequoia likes the Sequoia likes the deal. They 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 led the seed round. Sorry, seed, not C, not letter C, seed as in something that grows. Um, and the scoring's damn good. So let's, uh, you know, so it's it's interesting here where the scoring can be great, but if the market opportunity is limited, then, you know, you have to be pretty cautious. So. Right. So we
0: we look at things like winner take most. And if you get adoption in a market with a collaboration product that brings people together and has a format where all your files stay in it, it absolutely is a winner take most market. And same for virality because you're getting other people to use it. But again, the hole in that argument or the blind spot is if the market's already won, none of that matters because you could clone Facebook exactly and you could try to take it out there. And yeah, technically it would be winner take most. And technically there would be virality, but nobody would adopt it because it's too late. Right, so that's just you know
1: the, the, the crux of this thing is what we have been arguing about, which is, is it really different and do people care and therefore we'll switch and, or we'll start using it. And to what degree, and is that a, is that a huge market? Do they have the product that will cause that to happen? And we don't know. So our, our, we, we gave sevens to product market fit and market size. And those are not particularly great scores. Uh, In fact, you know, those
0: are very bad scores.
1: Well, seven is what we usually give a seed round company where we know for sure that they're just, they're not at their mature product yet. Right. Uh, market size, no. In market size, we want to be way above seven. Uh, we, we know this isn't a bad market. It's not tiny, but it, it's, it's questionable how big it is. So they suffer there. But, you know, after that, it's pure tens, right? The gross margin, the scalability, this is a pure cloud service. It's not particularly data intensive, so, you know, that it scales beautifully. So the overall score is, is an 87, and now that's largely driven by the tens that they got in the first part. and the winner take most could be a zero right if it turns out that, <laughs> that the the winner take most already happened then you know their their winner take most opportunity is zero so really you know everything we've been talking about is there enough here, different here is what hinges uh, is, is the thing that this company's success hinges on so we'll see but you know it's an interesting seed run by sequoia and i i kind of am giving them the
0: benefit of the doubt and you're a little more skeptical yeah and the good news is this is all on public record we can come back in a couple of years and see which of us was right yeah yeah it's a bit of a cheat though because in general if you take the negative position you're going to be right most of the time i I was going to bring that up but i didn't i didn't want to do that no it's the right thing to bring up it is absolutely a (laughs) cheat but if you vote you know, no on every deal then you're going to be right so often and yeah. make no money in the, in, <laughs> in gonna the bargain no,
1: But you're going to feel good about being right and then you know the, the you'll have a great negative portfolio uh, all right now last but not least is one of the most genius launches of a product that we've ever encountered is right up there with um uh, just some of the best ones we've ever seen and this was paparazzi and they they build up a ton of demand for this product and then launched it on the app store and got everybody to buy it all at once and it shot to the top of the app store and it's a photo sharing app and it's super viral and that's what you need to do with that kind of app and it created quite the uh quite the stir in silicon valley everybody was competing for the a round all of a sudden i mean this company had been around for a while been through a couple of pivots and just landed on this product idea. And Chris, can you describe the product a little better than I did?
0: Absolutely, so you may remember from our discussion of previous companies that a social network is one of the greatest business models ever developed. And so when you can get a new social network, with a different interaction method that eventually developed that develops traction it's one of the best opportunities you could possibly find so what paparazzi does and it's spelled p-o-p-a-r-a-z-z-i as opposed to the p-a-p that you're used to thinking of taking photographs of Madonna and Sean Penn and getting punched out in the 1980s boy that was something that our younger listeners are not even going to know about but <laughs> when you have a traditional paparazzi of photographers who are taking photographs of folks. And so paparazzi is a clever inversion of traditional social media. Instead of social media being selfie-based, if paparazzi, you cannot take pictures of yourself, you're just taking pictures of your friends and vice versa. And so this is a really fascinating angle on the interaction because all of a sudden it is a a social social network And it's social in the moment of creation because you have to have someone to actually take your photograph. You have to be physically present. And this is gonna be interesting. I think the launch timing is perfect because they're launching just as the United States is getting vaccinated. And we're going back to what they call the hot vac summer as young people who've been cooped up for 18 months get out there and wanna share what's going on. So again, timing masterful, marketing masterful, Remains to be seen, right? This big, we gave them a 10 in everything except for product market fit, where it's a a seven, because we just don't know if it's going to work. Is this going to take off? Are people going to love it and keep using it? Or is it a flash in the pan? It's hard to say at this point, which is why we've got to observe the behavior as it happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a lot like Clubhouse in the way it sort of stormed the scene and became the talk of the town and very quickly got $20 million from Benchmark and they had to compete and win for the deal. So I, you know, I don't know what the post money is. I imagine 20 million bought 20%, something like that. So, you know, they're, they've, they've got enough money to be able to market and do, do the damage they need to do, iterate on the product. And. We'll see if it can really continue the early momentum that it built, because, boy, that was some impressive early momentum to go right to the top of the app store like that.
0: And it also illustrates something that I think should give hope to a lot of entrepreneurs out there, which is this is a company that raised a small seed round. They had money from Floodgate. They did a whole bunch of different things, pivoted multiple times, looked like they were dead in the water, which is why you pivot. And then they unlocked something that took off. And it just goes to show you, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah, Pinterest, I mean, same thing. Pinterest got started a completely different
1: idea. And then they landed on this beautiful blitzscaling model that led to a, a, a tens of billions of dollars of market cap company. So yes, take heart. Just because the first thing you do isn't working doesn't mean you're not going to just hit, hit the jackpot doing something else. So that's uh, let's let's leave on that. upbeat note, Chris. That's all the companies we're talking about today. Uh, of course, sometimes you want to have a final pronouncement or or, or announcement. So what's uh, what's on your mind? Anything
0: to finish up? So my final announcement is just to reflect on something that we've seen, which is, that we continue to see incredibly intensive activity in the space. We're now at I think another record high, I think 152 deals that crossed our wire this past month. That is an all time high. And we just continue to see incredible creativity on the part of entrepreneurs, incredible demand on the part of investors. We saw, for example, a a Tiger deal today, which, again, is another one of the themes where Tiger Global is going around investing, doing multiple deals a week. So this is perhaps one of the best times to get started and grow quickly. And it'll be fascinating to watch it go from here.
1: Right. So until uh, until next time, we have to wait till the the. Deals of June are done. And so sometime in July, we'll be back with our next podcast talking about the June deals.
0: Might take a little extra time because you and I are going to be in Monte Carlo at the beginning of July, and then we'll have to work off our travel. We're actually going to attend a conference, but we'll look forward to bringing you the analysis of June deals sometime in July. And again, after we've recovered from our trip.
1: Yeah. And if, if you all send me $20, then I will send you a picture of Chris actually wearing a business suit because he's going to be required to wear a business suit
0: for the first time since uh, somebody's wedding it to like 10 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago, 15 or 16 years ago, I do not own a suit. This is absurd. And yet they're requiring people and I'm speaking and so I have to wear a suit. Oh my god, it's been such a nightmare. I'm so
1: looking forward to this. This is going to be great.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Scott, thank you again for joining us today. This has been another edition of our Blitz Scalable Deal Analysis. On behalf of Scott Johnson, I'm Chris Ye, And thank you for listening.